So what I want to do, um, and what I've been trying to do, is I think Genesis is such a critical book to understand in the whole, all of the Bible. And so I want to kind of give you a big picture and then jump into the passage we want to look at this weekend. In the book of Genesis, you see God creating a perfect environment to have a relationship with man. And it says that God and man, and Adam and Eve, and God walked in the garden. And they, 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 it was a perfect environment for this relationship, right? And then Genesis 3, we read that uh, man and woman, they, they sinned, and God cast them out of the garden. And so the question is, and the rest of the book of Genesis and the rest of the Bible is, how is God going to bring this garden paradise relationship back? How is he going to restore the relationship that's been broken? How is he going to redeem this relationship and how is, he, how is it all going to happen? And so the rest of Genesis begins to tell us God's plan. And in Genesis chapter 12, God basically uh, makes a promise to a man, he, uh, and his name is Abraham. And he says to Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless those that bless you. I'm going to curse those that curse you. I'm going to give you land. And all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed by you. He says that in Genesis 12. So we see that God says, okay, the blessing, the restoration is going to come through a man. But it's not just going to come through a man, because that blessing was passed on to his son, Isaac. And then we'll see today that the blessing was passed on not just to Isaac, but to Jacob, Isaac's son, Abraham's you know, grandson. So you have this passing on of the covenant of the blessing. It came to Abraham from God, and then it's reaffirmed to Isaac by God, and then it goes to Jacob. And then we know that Jacob becomes the father of the nation of Israel. And so the blessing would come through the nation of Israel, but the blessing wouldn't come through the nation of Israel. It would come through a a descendant from the nation of Israel, a descendant from Isaac, a descendant from Jacob and Abraham. And we know him to be Jesus. And Jesus was the one who would fulfill this Abrahamic covenant. He's the one that would be a blessing to all the nations of the earth, a blessing to us. And we're going to talk more about that. So here's what's going on. So, so let's just summarize. So God is going to bring his world back in to uh, where it needs to be through a man, through a promise and through a blessing that is passed on for generations and then to a nation and then to a descendant of that nation and we know him to be the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And that's how it's going to come. Now here's where our passage comes in. The blessing has been passed from Abraham to his son Isaac. Now Isaac is about ready to pass it on to his son. The problem is his sons are twins. And Esau is the firstborn. Jacob is the secondborn. So naturally, Esau should get the blessing. The oldest son gets the blessing. Whether they're born ten seconds before the other, it doesn't matter. They're the firstborn. So technically, not technically, the blessing should go from Abraham to Isaac to Esau. But while the twins were still in their mother's womb, Rebekah's womb, She asked the Lord, and the Lord said to her, The older will serve the younger, meaning that there was going to be this great reversal, that the blessing wouldn't come down through Esau, it would come through Jacob. Now, we're going to look at the passage today, and what's going to end up happening is, we're going to see the the mother and the father, we're going to see Isaac and, and Rebekah, we're going to see Jacob and Esau, they're all going to try to manipulate the blessing. 
They're all going to try to get the, you know, the, the, the to manage the blessing. And what we're going to see is that God's plans endure in spite of the worst efforts of a father, a mother, and two brothers. And what we're going to see is that even though there are people trying to manipulate things or behind the scenes, God is ultimately in control. And God is ultimately sovereign. And he still carries his plan out. And the humans involved in trying to manipulate things can't say, oh, well, I was forced to do it. I didn't have a choice. They did. But God even used their sinful choices to carry out his perfect will. I don't completely understand that, but we're going to see that. So, if you would like, and I would encourage you to, turn to Genesis chapter 27. Uh, On page 21 of the Chair Bible, you'll find the passage I'm going to read. And we're going to see this passing on of the blessing. So, Isaac is going to pass the blessing on to his son Esau, even though he knows that the blessing should go to Jacob. He knows that because there was an oracle that came to his wife, a prophecy that came to his wife, that the older would serve the younger. He knows that. All right, so let's read about that. Uh, So we're in uh, Genesis chapter 27, verse 1. One day, when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, My son, yes, father, Esau replied, I am an old man now, Isaac said, and I don't know when I'll die. So he thinks he's going to die. Technically, you know, he, he thinks this is it. He lives ten more years. But that's neither here nor there. It's just interesting. Take a bow and a quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. But Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, Listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, Bring me some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal. Then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me and do exactly as I tell you. So each family member is going to try to manipulate the blessing. That's what's going to go on here, all right? So let's look at uh, each of the characters. Isaac is the first one we're going to look at. He's the dad. He's the one who received the blessing from Abraham. Abraham, the blessing came from Abraham to Isaac. Now, this is the same Isaac that was on the altar, and, and God said to Abraham, Do you love me more than your son? And God placed his, uh, uh, Abraham uh, placed his son Isaac on the altar and raised the knife, and God, God said, Stop, I know that you love me more than your son. And so the blessing was passed from Abraham to Isaac. Now a- Isaac is wanting to pass the blessing on to Esau, his firstborn. Now, the thing is, He's doing it privately. Whenever a father passed the blessing on to the family members, to the sons, because the blessing came to the sons, he would gather the whole family together and he would lay hands on each son from the oldest to the youngest and he would pronounce a blessing. And you're going to see Jacob do this later on in the book of Genesis, but he would pronounce a blessing on each son. And so that's what he's going to do. But he's not going to do it publicly. He's doing it privately. In fact, Rebecca, the only reason she knows is because she's listening behind the scenes and she hears what's going on. So Isaac is, is doing this and he's doing it secretly. 
And he's aware of the oracle that was spoken to Rebecca, that while the two boys, while the two boys were in Rebecca's womb, that the older will serve the younger. He knows that, but he, for some reason, he sought to circumvent God's word in favor of his desires and preferences. So he preferred his oldest son because he liked him more and also because he really made some good stew. Where have we heard that before? Do you remember where we talked about um, Esau came in from the field and Jacob had made some stew and Jacob said, or Esau said, give me some of that stew and, and uh, Jacob said, no, not until you give me your birthright. He says, well, what, you know, okay, I'll give you a birthright. And what was that for? For red stew, right? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Uh, he loved his son because he could make country food. He's made stew and he preferred him. So Isaac did what Esau had done. He sought to give up the blessing of God for a bowl of stew. That must be some really good stew. I, don't, I have no idea. But the point is, and here's the thing. You might get to the point you say, well, Isaac really isn't a giant of the faith. Well, when you think about it, remember, he was the boy that went with his father up to the altar. And he had seen the hand of God in his life. Now, he's not a giant of the faith, but he is a man of faith. And before we are, get too rough on Isaac, and we need to pump the, the, the brake pedal a little bit, and we need to say, wait, wait, wait. Because one of the things that we can obviously, and it's very clear here, that Isaac believes in the blessing. He absolutely believes in it. He believes in the power of the blessing, that he is, as he confers this blessing, this, this promise that God made to his father Abraham that was made to him is going to go to his son. That, that he's going to do that. And the other part about this blessing is very interesting is he believes the blessing, he believes the promise, the covenant, even though the covenant has yet to show up. He has no land. He has only two descendants. He's got two sons. He doesn't have, it's not hard for him to count. It's like, you know, God said to Abraham, and, and re, reaffirm that to Isaac, you'll have more descendants than you can count. More than the stars of the skies. Well, it's pretty easy. It's like, one, two. You know, that's it. I'm done, you know. So the promises that God has made haven't come out yet. I mean, he hasn't seen them, but he believes them still. So this is a very solemn thing that he's doing. He believes in the promise. He believes in God. So he's not a giant of the faith, but he is a man of faith. Okay? Now, his family is small. He doesn't have the land. He's, he's believing it. But notice, notice uh, something else. <clears throat> so I have to tell you a little more of the chapter because we don't have time to go through it. So this, the story is, so Rebecca brings Jacob in. She says, I overheard your father say that he's going to pass the blessing on to Esau. We've got to stop him. I have a plan. Here's my plan. Go out and get a goat. I'll make the stew that your father likes. You'll take the skins and put them on your arms and your neck so that not only will you feel like your brother, you'll smell like your brother. You'll take the stew in. He'll, you'll talk to your father. He will con- confer the blessing on you, thinking it's Esau, your older brother. Then you get out of there and we're done. That's the plan. Okay? Now, they carry the plan out. Esau or Jacob goes in and, and uh, Isaac says... It sounds like the voice of Jacob, but it smells like Esau. We'll talk more about that in a minute. 
So he goes in and he gets in close and the father feels him and he, he smells him. And he says, oh, it smells like, and then, you know, he eats the soup and he confers the blessing. And Jacob hightails it out of there just in time because who shows up? Esau. Esau walks in and says, Dad, I got the stew. And this is the verse I want to read. Notice verse uh, 33 of chapter 27. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, Then who just served me wild game? I've already eaten it. And I blessed him just before you came in. And yes, that blessing must stand. Now that last phrase is kind of interesting, and this is what I want to unpack for just a minute. He says, that blessing must stand. Now as I read that, it seemed like, all right, once you make the blessing, you can only do it once. You know, I mean, that sounds like a little bit to me, a little too much like magic. And some of the commentators I looked at said, yeah, once you pronounce it, it's done. You can't do it. I don't really think that's what's going on here. I really don't think so. And uh, so I, I went to a couple of different translations. So I went to the ESV. And, and let me read you the ESV, that last phrase. And yes, that blessing must stand is what the NLT says. Then Isaac trembled. This is the ESV, English Standard Version. Then Isaac trembled it very violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it before you came and have blessed him. And then the last phrase says, yes, and he shall be blessed. But I want you to see something. It says in both the translations that Isaac trembled violently. When Esau came in, he trembled violently. The question is, why? Was it because he was tricked? Was it because he spoke the wrong blessing? Or was it because he realized that he couldn't thwart God's plan? See, here's what I think is going on here. I think, uh, I think Isaac really wanted to have the blessing go on Esau, even knowing that God had said, no, the blessing needs to go on Jacob. And I think Esau, or I think Isaac thought, I'll just... I'll just manage this. I'll just change this. And he was tricked. He was tricked and he realized it. And I don't think he trembled because he realized he was tricked. I think he realized that God used the trickery to get his will done. Now, does that mean God made them trick? No. The point is, I think he was in awe. I think he came to a point point. he says, what have I been trying to do? I've been trying to keep God's will from happening. And I think he began to tremble then when he realized that God was basically saying to him, you think you can manipulate me? Guess who just got manipulated? Guess who's got their will done? And I think that stopped him and he had a holy moment. And, and I don't think he's saying, I can't bless you instead of uh, Jacob, Esau. He's saying, I won't. I'm done getting in God's way. I'm done. I think that's what's going on here. I think Jacob uh, was meant, I think he realized Jacob was meant to have the blessing, and Isaac finally realizes the fact, and he says, I'm done. I'm done getting in God's way. That's how I read it, and I think that, that fits the story. So, what about Esau? Esau has experienced the consequences of poor choices that were made in the heat of uh, passion. 
Um, he was short-sighted. He sold his birthright for a bowl of red stew to Jacob, his brother. Now, once again, he's outflanked by his brother and his mother. And when he realizes the consequences, he weeps. He doesn't, but he doesn't come to a place where he says, you know what? I really haven't treasured the blessing. I really haven't, I really haven't embraced it. I really haven't uh, thought it was a valuable thing. I've kind of just been flipping free of it. And now I've lost it forever. Shame on me. But he doesn't come to that point. What does he do? He says, I'm going to kill that kid. I'm going to kill him. First chance I get, I'm going to kill him. So, you know, he would... What, what happens? He goes on. He marries two Hittite women, two pagans. He know, you know, and, and what do they do? They bring heartache to his parents. He goes on to marry an Ishmaelite. And, and so what's going on here is Ish, Ish, uh, Esau is showing his heart that he's not a God seeker at all and that Esau doesn't he doesn't even seem to show any heart change at all he's pretty hard hearted and Esau is like many people who make poor choices in the, meat, in the heat of the moment they let their passions rule their lives and they suffer the consequences they never come to a place of clarity and ask why did I do that what was I thinking where am I going where, what is my life all about they never ask those clarifying questions they never come to a place where they take ownership for their decisions and their sins and they never do that they, they always want to blame shift they always want to blame someone else or blame the circumstances or blame this or blame that but they never come to a place of saying you know what that's on me I should have I should have owned that a little bit more I should and and you know what they're they're like people who climb the ladder and they get to the top and they realize it's against the wrong side the wrong wall you see Esau lamented how his life was turning out but he never really came to a place of owning his sinful choices and maybe I'm speaking to someone here who, who's like an Esau today. You're like Esau. You made horrible choices. You, you, you never really took ownership of your, your bad choices. You blame circumstances. You blame other people. You blame a lot of things. But you never stopped and said, you know, what was I doing? What was I thinking? Where am I going? I want to just tell you, as long as you're drawing your breath, as long as you have a pulse... You can always come back to God. You can always come to God. You can always... And He has His arms open. He is waiting for you. But you have to take the first step. You have to say... And when I say take the first step, what I mean, you have to come to a place and you have to say, I'm desperate. I'm, I need a Savior. I need help. And maybe you're there and you say, you know, I just have come to a place recently where I just... My, I, didn't know, I don't know where I was going. I don't know where my life is going to end. I made some bad choices. I'm, I'm making like choices like... And I'm not thinking about the consequence. I'm not thinking long term. And I need to stop. And I need to get my life in order. And you know what? You can turn to God. And He will begin to change you and fix you and rebuild you. You could turn to Jesus and you'll find hope and forgiveness and freedom and purpose and just about everything else you need. How about Rebecca? So Rebecca... She overheard the instructions from Isaac. She gets uh, Jacob in there. They concoct this plan, and they go at it, and it's successful. It's a successful plan. Um, and it's interesting. The plan is that uh, he's going to put these skins on his arms and his neck so that if his father you know, draws him in close, his father will feel the... the... Think about that for a minute. Hey, what was this guy Esau like? 
I mean, hairy and smelly. Because when you read the text, it's, oh, it smells like Esau. Well, I think that was pretty ripe. And he's hairy. I mean, he's really he got hair on the back of his neck and hair here. And he's feeling the hair. And he goes, oh, yeah, it's, it's him all right. I mean, he's like a wild beast or something like that. <laughs> he must have been pretty ripe. So we could write Rebecca off and we could say, oh, she's just your typical Jewish mom trying to promote her, 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 her son. But you know what? It's bigger than that. See, she heard the oracle. She received the oracle while the twins were still in her womb that the older would serve the younger. So she realizes as she hears, when she hears Isaac saying to Esau, I want you to get the blessing. So go out and get this, this meat and, and then I will confer the blessing on you privately so no one else will know. So she hears this. That's not an accident, by the way. That's not just good luck. That's God's sovereignty in play. But Rebecca's doing something pretty dishonest, okay? Obviously. So she does this. Now, she, so she have a mother who, who basically hears that her husband is about ready to go against the plan of God. So she could, she could justify this. She could say, listen, I know how this is supposed to end. Jacob is supposed to get the blessing. The, he's going to give it to the wrong son. I've got to step in and help God out. Have you ever done that? Have you ever seen things going the way you don't think that they should go? And all of a sudden you say, you know what, God? You may be busy. I'll help you out. I'll take a shortcut. I'll, I may break a few rules here, but we're going to get at the same end. And that's really all that matters. And we justify sinful behavior because we're saying, God needs my help. Have you ever done that? Honestly. We think the ends justify the means. We're only breaking a few of God's little laws. We want to preserve His long-term plans by breaking some short-term, doing some short-term things. Here's a real question we really need to ask, and we don't generally ask it. Can God fulfill His promises without our help? Yeah. Yeah, He can. For Rebecca and for all of us, it comes down to a choice between faith and unbelief. Rebecca should have and could have waited on God to see his solution to the problem. Instead, she took things into her own hands and she helped God out. Now, did Jacob get the blessing? Yes. Did that justify her actions? No. And here's how it did played out for her. Jacob was her favorite son. And what happened after the, the Jacob stole the blessing? Esau, his brother, begins to plot his death. To the point that we'll see next week, that Rebecca says to, to Isaac, the, the husband and wife, she says, he needs to get out of here and find a wife. Now what she's really saying is he needs to get out of here because he's going to be dead if he stays here. So she never sees him again. By her choices, by causing this conflict between the two brothers and multiplying that conflict she's lost her son that's the that see god is not dependent on you or me to carry out his sovereign plans but for some reason he chooses to use us and it's better for us to be working with him than against him 
How many times have you found, you know, I really am trying to do the same thing that God's doing, but I really kind of feel like I'm going against him. Well, that's what's going on here with Rebecca. How about Jacob? Jacob's not comfortable with his mother's plan. Now, it's not because he's not conniving and scheming and a plotter, but he's a safe schemer. If he has a scheme, he wants it to work. He doesn't want it to not work, right? He doesn't want to get caught. Look at verses 9 through 12. Let me read this to you. Genesis 27, 9 through 12. So Rebekah says to Jacob, Go out to the flocks and, and bring me two fine young goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so that he can eat it and bless you before he dies. But look, Jacob replied to Rebekah, My brother Esau is a hairy man, and my skin is smooth. He might have been going like this. You know, I just waxed this morning, Mom. It's not going to work. He'll see that I'm trying to trick him, and then he'll curse me instead of blessing me. So he's he's not worried that Rebecca's plan isn't a good plan or won't work. He's not against stealing the blessing. He's not against sinning against his father, sinning against his brother, sinning against God. He's not. That's not the problem. He doesn't want to get caught and get cursed. That's his problem. And you know what? He is like us. There are people, and maybe you're one of them, who would say... I'll sin as long as no one knows, as long as I don't get caught. And that's what the enemy whispers in your ear. Don't worry about it. You'll never get caught. No one will ever know. And we think we can get away with it. We think we can get away, get away with sin. We downplay it. The enemy downplays it. It's not a big thing. It's just a little thing. You get away with it. No one will ever find out. We believe, and I think there's many people who believe, and we've all probably believed this life, if we're honest, that we can sin and not suffer any consequences. But you know what the scriptures say? The scriptures say in Numbers chapter 32, 23, you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Your sin will find you out. And it will. Now, here's the thing. Um, We have five boys. The oldest one is graduating next weekend. And um, we always prayed uh, when they were into moving into the teen years and all that stuff. We realize that, you know, they're out. We can't really manage everything that they're doing. So there's a point where you have to let go and you have to, you know, hopefully they'll make mistakes but not big mistakes. And you'll we'll walk through why did that go wrong and all that other stuff. But one of the prayers we prayed was this. Lord, if they're with people they shouldn't be with, if they're in places they shouldn't be, if they're doing things they shouldn't be doing, let it be brought to light. We pray that prayer. It's like praying a curse on your kids sometimes, right? Well, guess what happened? God answered that prayer. A word from somebody, oh, I just noticed this, or I saw this, or we get... And, and the next thing you know, they, they're, they're, they're coming in, and you know what they, where they've been, where they, maybe they shouldn't have been, or doing what they shouldn't have been, or with someone they shouldn't have been with. And you go, where were you? What were you doing? Okay, well, why, did, why is this true? And they, their eyes go like... How do you know this? And we would just say, we pray that if you're doing something or with somebody you shouldn't be or whatever, that God will show it to us. And guess what? He does. You're not safe. <laughs> we will find out. And, and, and that is a great prayer to put. You know, can I just, and, and this is a little more serious. Some of you are in marriages and you say, I don't know if my spouse is faithful. Pray a prayer. If they're lying to me, if they're deceiving me, Father, make it, make it come to light. Show me. 
Make, make it very clear. And guess what? God answers that prayer. You may not want an answer to that prayer, but you know what? That is a great prayer to pray because it brings openness uh, to that. And so uh, sin will be revealed. We're just praying to be revealed quicker before they get into real trouble, right? Uh, so the, getting back to the story, once Jacob is assured of his safety, he, he quickly cons- carries out the mission effectively. And it's going to be a long time, we'll see, before he recovers. So he, he covers himself with animal skins to deceive his father. And I'm reminded of the time in the garden. So in the garden, what did Adam and Eve do? Uh, God covered them with animal skins. And it's a, it's a, it's a picture of uh, the relationship in the garden with God and with Adam and Eve changed fundamentally in Genesis 3, after the sin, after the fall. It changed fundamentally. Uh, think about this for a minute. So, uh, they were naked in the garden, and they were only given one command, don't eat of this one tree. And they did. And so, when God comes into the garden looking for them, immediately after they, they eat the uh, fruit, uh, they immediately begin to hide. They hide from God, and He knows, you know, he knows what they have done. And He says... Uh, where are you? And uh, why are you why uh, why are you hiding? Well, we are naked. Well, what do you mean you're naked? And naked means more than physical nakedness. Here, it means that there was a transparency that was so complete and clean and free and open that there wasn't any barriers, there wasn't any posturing, there wasn't any covering up. That they, they saw God and they met with God and with one another. And now they're beginning to hide from not only God but from one another. And we'll see that. In a minute. So God says, um, Did you eat from the tree? Yeah. Okay. And so what do they do? So first, uh, God says to Abraham, He says, Well, what happened? He says, Well, this woman. No more will I have your back. I'll throw you under the bus, right? So He does. So he, God comes to the woman, and He says, Well, what? This, this, this serpent deceived us. And the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on, so, I mean, yeah, it's a horrible joke. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. No, it's, 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 it's such a bad joke, and I, I'll take it out of my nose forever <laughs> until I use it in a few weeks. No. But what happens next is this. God curses them. He curses the man. He says, now the, he, you say, we curse the ground. Well, yeah, fine, whatever. Now I'm cursed because I have to work the ground, right? And he curses the woman. He says, now childbirth is going to be, is going to be difficult. It's, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be hard. And the serpent, yeah, you, the curse there is one day you'll be ultimately destroyed. The evil, the evil will go away because good will conquer evil once and for all, and that's coming. But the thing is, the other thing that happens is God gives them skins. He covers them up because now their relationship with God is, there's a barrier there. And even a more of a barrier because they're kicked out of the garden and angels are put to guard the entrance of the garden. Why? So they can't come into the garden and eat from the tree of life. That was what gave them life, eating from the tree of life. Now they're cut off. They're cut off from the garden. They're cut off from the tree. And so now the the greatest part of the curse is they're going to die. They're not only separated from God, but they're going to die. So there's a spiritual death and a physical death that's taking place there. And here's the thing. We all hide from God. We put on skins. We try to put a personification of who we want other people to think we are. 
We do, don't do it just to God, we do it to one another. And we do it, sometimes we understand the reason we do it, because if, if you knew who I was, you would go, ooh, yeah, right? So we hide. We hide from God, and we hide from each other. And God kicks them out of the garden. And we now wear a story. A story that we want people to hear. And we're just like Jacob. We put these skins on and we try to deceive. And we do it. And I think Adam and Eve left the garden with their heads down. And it was the first walk of shame. They had lost the blessing. And many people today walk with their heads down because they're cursed. See, what God did was he not only cursed them, but he kicked them out of the garden, which was the greatest curse because they would be separated from God, separated from life. And so the curse has come upon them. They no longer... But God comes to Abraham and he says, you're going to be my source of blessing. Now, how would that happen? How do we lose the curse, lose our shame, and gain the blessing? How do we do it? Well, the blessing doesn't come through birth order. You know, Isaac... And Esau thought, well, I have the right last name. I have the right birth order, so the blessing will come naturally to me. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to even care. I just, uh, the blessing comes by birth. But the, the lesson we learned from this passage, from the rest of Scripture, is you don't inherit, you don't inherit the blessing by the birth. God overturned that. God said, nah, that's not the way it's going to be. The blessing also can't be earned or manipulated. Rebecca and Jacob didn't understand this. The blessing isn't something you acquire or work for. It is sovereignly, graciously given by God. So uh, Jacob and Rachel can do all their posturing, all their manipulation, but in the end, God is going to carry his sovereign plan out. And there are many people who think, well, listen, I believe in God. I go to church. I give my money. I serve. You owe me, God. And they have a resume and they say, This is it. I've earned this. And it doesn't come that way. It doesn't come that way. Interestingly enough, and I want to close with this, the blessing comes, uh, and and it's interesting how it comes. The blessing comes, and it's found in the work, the the, the losing of the curse and the finding of the blessing comes in the words of Rebecca. Because remember, the context is here. Jacob doesn't want to do this because he's afraid I'm going to get cursed if I get caught. That's his problem, okay? So this is what his mother says to him. So turn, uh, Genesis chapter 27, verse 12. What if my father touches me? He'll see that I'm trying to trick him and then he'll curse me instead of blessing me. But his mother replied, Then let the curse fall on me, my son. Now wait a minute. Time out. How's she supposed to take the curse? How can she take the curse? Well, probably she can't take the curse. She's just saying this to allay his fears because she thinks her plan will work, which it did, and he wasn't cursed. But there is someone who can take the curse because everyone in this room is cursed at birth. Every one of us is separated from God. Every one of us is, is posturing. Every one of us is, has, has our, our skins and we're trying to present ourselves. And we're cursed. We're under the curse. Every one of us is. But notice what Paul tells us. This is Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. Christ 
has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on a cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who, hurt, who hangs on a tree. That hangs on a tree is, is a euphemism for the cross. The point that Paul is making here is that Jesus, when he went to the cross, took the curse that we deserved. He was cursed for us. How do you know that? Do you remember when Jesus was on the cross and he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, he forsook, was forsaken because he had our curse on him. He took our curse. But Paul doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say that Jesus took our curse. He gives us his blessing. Notice the next verse. Verse 14. He, Jesus, redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's us, through Christ Jesus. How? By faith. Do you see what, what this passage is saying? Do you see why the passing on of the blessing is so important that it goes from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, the nation of Israel, and then to the Messiah? Because then Jesus would come and He would not only take our curse, but give us His blessing. And we are born cursed, but when we come to Christ by faith, we are blessed. We are set free. We, we no longer are bound by sin. We no longer have the fear of death because we know that He took the curse and He gives us the blessing. That's what the Word of God gives us. It tells us. The Word of God tells us that He was cursed so that we could be blessed. Now, Rachel didn't understand what she was saying, the, the prophetic words that she was saying, because Jesus really was the fulfillment of her words. I will take the curse. And he did. Jesus became the curse for us so that we could receive his blessing. And how do you do that? The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The curse will be released. The blessing will be received. Have you done that? I, I hope you have. I hope you've heard the gospel and I hope, hope you've heard grace today. And I hope you walk out with your head up knowing you're cursed, but now you're blessed. Because Jesus went to the cross, took your curse, and gave you his blessing. Let's stand together. Father, we're so grateful for Jesus, and thank you that he took the curse for us on the cross, and he gave us his blessing. This blessing doesn't come by birth. It doesn't come by manipulation. It doesn't come by posturing. It comes by faith. So thank you for grace, that we're saved by faith through grace, that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I pray that everyone in this room would not leave today until they would know Jesus as their Savior and find that the curse has been taken care of, the blessing is ours to receive. And for that, we're so thankful and grateful. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.